Hello mummers, Laura here and today I am sharing all of the ups and downs of my beautiful pregnancy journey for my third baby. Enjoy! Hey mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes, it's time for you to guide you through, let's take some time for you, it's pregnancy with and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Now, it has been a long time since I did a solo episode and I am so excited and truthfully a little nervous to share with you my pregnancy, birth and postpartum journey for baby number three. So this pregnancy and birth was a hugely transformational journey for me. So it was a journey of self-discovery, listening to my intuition, strengthening my confidence as a mother, trusting my baby, trusting my body, using my voice and leaning on my support network. So as I record this episode, Luca is now 10 weeks old and honestly, my pregnancy and birth feels like a million years ago. It's astonishing how fast those weeks fly by. I cannot even remember what it felt like to have a baby wriggle around in my tummy and I can't viscerally remember what a labor contraction felt like anymore. So I am loving the current newborn bubble and I'm really trying to soak it up which is something that I do speak about in later episodes in this podcast series. So what I have done is I've divided this series up into seven parts, my longest podcast series yet. And this is because A, I try to keep the episode short and succinct because I'm mindful of how much time we all have to consume content. And B, there honestly was just so much to share. So this is episode one of seven in my pregnancy and birth podcast series. And today I'll be sharing the ups and downs and the learnings from my pregnancy story. So the journey I went on and the decisions I made that led me to an incredible birth experience. Now, coming up in this series, I'll also be sharing all the details of my birth story, how I was recovering the first two weeks and then what my postpartum journey looked like up until six weeks. I'll also be answering all your questions about postpartum recovery, including what exercise I was doing, how my pelvic floor felt, the differences in my recovery between a C-section and a vaginal delivery, and so much more. And then my final episode is all about how we transition to a family of three kids and my top tips and advice on what's helped me to make this a smooth transition. Now, if you want to binge all these episodes at once, remember this entire podcast series and all our other podcast series is all live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. So if you'd love to listen to or watch this entire podcast series right now, rather than waiting for future episodes to come out, then go and check out the Pregnancy Posse. When you join the Pregnancy Posse, you will get access to weekly workouts tailored to your exact week of pregnancy. And I also do a weekly Q&A session where I answer all of the questions from my amazing Posse members. And there is a lovely community forum where Posse members all support each other, along with an incredible resources library, which will help you avoid the dreaded Google rabbit hole. (laughs) Now, I would love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial it for seven days. Let's get into episode one of this seven-part pregnancy and birth series. I have a huge vulnerability hangover right now, so I hope you enjoy. Hello. (laughs) I am very excited to share my birth story with you all, my pregnancy journey and my birth story. Apologies. If you're a new mama, you totally understand. There may be interruptions from a baby. Also, conveniently, the garden man's working next door, so... (laughs) There may be a little bit of background noise, but I am going to start with my pregnancy journey 
because I feel like it will give really good context to my birth and it will help for everything to make a little bit more sense um, as to how I birthed the way I birthed and why I birthed the way I birthed because it certainly wasn't a journey that I thought I would have. Um, My entire pregnancy just felt like this interesting twists and turns and it always felt like there was something new presenting to me where I had to make a decision and it wasn't linear that's for sure um so I feel quite vulnerable sharing this I will be perfectly honest I actually wasn't sure if I would share this at all and I think the main reason is because it's very personal as anyone who shares their birth story will know it's talking about the intimate details of your life that often only friends and family know and I'm sharing this to a lot of people I think it's also because you know birth is a really spicy subject There's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of judgment and whilst I don't feel I judge or, you know, project onto other people, I certainly uh, feel vulnerable about putting myself out there for it to potentially come back to me. So I don't think you can win with birth. Um, A lot of people will not like maybe how you go about things or will find what you say triggering or... um, scary or you can't win so I think it's just about owning your story and the reason why I wanted to share is because I feel like storytelling is so therapeutic it's quite cathartic Um, I really wanted to express myself this way and I think that it's important to share our stories because you never know who it might help on their journey so um, I thought it was important to get over my vulnerabilities and share and look I've had the extremes of the birth spectrum now and I've had two c-sections and there was people that didn't like that and you know I'll share my birth story with you now and I'm sure there's going to be people that um, don't like it and that's okay it's my story to share and I yeah I hope you enjoy so like I said I feel like I need to give context to the pregnancy journey first because that's really what set me up for what ended up being an incredible birth experience So for those who have followed me for a while, know my story, know I've had two cesarean sections in the past. Now, I thought walking into this third pregnancy, that would be super straightforward, easy peasy, Japanesey. I would have a maternal assisted C-section and I'd be done. I wouldn't have to think about anything. I know when I was attempting a VBAC with my second, there was a small part of me when I ended up having an emergency Caesar that was relieved that I wouldn't have to go through the emotional roller coaster that was a feedback attempt again. And for anyone who's been through that, you'll probably understand what I mean is that it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster of like preparing yourself for the best vaginal birth, but then also surrendering to whatever happens, happens. So you don't feel like a failure. And so you still feel like you had a positive birth experience. And I actually found it really exhausting, the mental load of having a VBAC. So I was actually a little bit relieved after my second C-section because I thought, well, I'm done. You know, I'm, you can't have a VBAC now, so I'm going to have a third Caesar, maternal assisted, so I can, which is where you pull the baby out yourself, which I loved the idea of. And I felt like that was a happy medium for me being involved in the um, surgery and for me having immediate skin to skin and things like that. So done Laura happy I knew you know it was going to be straightforward Uh, how little (laughs) did I know and how wrong was I that was not at all my journey 
So it probably started, I initially booked in with a private obstetrician, which is the route I'd taken with my first two births, a different one this time because we have moved and we're in a different location. So I booked in with a private obstetrician and I had said, I want to have a maternal assisted cesarean section. Agreed. It was going to be great. Fantastic. And I didn't feel funny about it. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was excited though, but I certainly didn't feel icky about it. It was just, it, it was what it was. However, I woke up maybe around week eight or week 10 and I just had this feeling and I don't know if it was the baby trying to communicate with me or whether it was my intuition, which is something I've very much been trying to lean into over the last year, like really leaning into what is my gut telling me or what is my heart telling me rather than what is my head telling me. So I'm not sure exactly what it was that was speaking to me, but I just woke up with this feeling, this overwhelming feeling that I cannot walk myself into a surgery for no medical emergency. I just knew that I I couldn't bring myself to just walk in there if there was not a reason to do, like an emergency, a medical reason to, to do that. And it was interesting. And I just sat with that because I thought, oh, no, that sounds hard and like a lot of work. And I was not one to rock the boat or to you know, do anything slightly out of, you know, mainstream. And I was very much a people pleaser and someone that just wanted to do the quote unquote right thing. So I sat with it and I thought, no, 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 that's silly. That's no, it's not going to happen. Laura. Just squish that down, squish that feeling down. Go do what you were going to do. Don't make this hard. But that feeling just kept bubbling up and one night I I found myself, I was about to go to bed and I thought my husband and I were having a really good conversation and I thought I'm just going to tell him. I wasn't going to. I thought, no, 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 I'll just keep that to myself. And then I thought, no, 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 I'm going to tell him. And so I said to him, I'm finding it really difficult to swallow the idea that I'm going to walk into a surgical birth if I'm healthy, well, fit, young, otherwise great, never had other surgeries in my life. I said, I'm finding that really challenging. And that was really interesting because he jumped on that straight away and he was like, we need to explore this. He was amazing support to me the entire time. And he was really the catalyst for what made me go down this path because he believed in me and he believed that this is something we should definitely explore. And I was so willing to take the quote unquote easy path um, because it felt too challenging. It felt too difficult to consider a VBAC too. So that's kind of where that journey all began. So it then had planted this seed for me of, okay, well, we're both on board. What does this look like? I've only ever gone down one maternity route before. So logistically, how do I even go about organizing to have a VBAC too? And that was the start of a journey of me learning a lot about the birthing system, uh, a lot about the, the politics, a lot about the logistics, a lot about your options, which is not something that even though I've worked in this space for so long, it's really not something I was super clued up about. And obviously it changes depending on your location and whatnot. But we are lucky in that we have a birth center not too far from where I live. And so I thought, great, they have a birth center that's like a happy medium between home birth and hospital birth. Fantastic. So I should actually preface this with saying that I knew deep down inside I didn't want to have a hospital vaginal birth. Now, that might seem strange to some, but I just had this feeling that it wouldn't turn out the way I wanted it to. I didn't want medical interventions unless I needed them. 
And I didn't want to be constantly monitored. I didn't want flashing lights and beeps. And I'd been there before. I'd had a failed induction. I've had two surgical births and it's not the environment I wanted. So when I had vaginal birth in my head, I didn't picture that. I had warm, dark, cozy, intimate environment, not a hospital environment. So they talk a lot about the oxytocin and you should birth a baby, how you create a baby, i.e. if you're not feeling comfortable enough to make love in an environment, then, you know, sometimes that can really hinder the oxytocin when you're in the birthing situation. I knew that deep down inside, I'd rather walk into a hospital and have a cesarean or have a non-hospital vaginal birth. So again, that might seem strange to some, but that was just something that I knew from the get-go that's where I wanted to be. I didn't want to do a halfway thing where I attempted a vaginal birth in a hospital And I had a vaginal birth, but not at all how I wanted it, i.e. with a lot of intervention or not feeling free to move and these sorts of things. And that's not all, I know that's not always everyone's experience, but um, I just knew that for me, that's not what I wanted. I've been in the hospital environment before and that didn't feel like where I would want to have a vaginal birth. That's my story. (laughs) So this birth center, and I thought, fantastic. That would be the perfect halfway. It's right next to the hospital if we need to transfer um, great. However, this was the start of my journey to realize that when you have a VBAC2 sign over your head, everyone treats you a little bit different. And unfortunately, they couldn't take me on, but also they were booked out because of uh, COVID. Everyone was choosing to have home births and I was too late, even though I was only 10 weeks or so. So I felt quite deflated because um, I was hoping it would be a bit easier I wasn't sure what to do now. I honestly had no idea what next. So I think I just had it in my head. Well, I tried. So I guess I should just go back to the private OB and have my maternal assisted C-section. I was so willing to just give up at that stage because that was sort of my personality back then was, look, it's obviously too hard. It's not meant to be. Um, Let's just do what, you know, all the signs are pointing towards. This is the easy option. You know how to do it. You've done it before. Go do that. So again, credit to my husband. I then came home and I said, look, they're booked out. So I guess, well, you know, I guess I'll just have a C-section. And he said to me, Laura, is this what you actually want? Because if it is, you're a resourceful, intelligent woman, you can find a way to do it. We can move to a different state and find a different birth center if we need to. We can, you know, if you need to get a private midwife, they're not here, you can go to another state. Like he was talking about, we can move house if we need to. And I think it really blew my mind because I I genuinely had never considered that because I just wasn't really willing to fight that hard for it. Again, that was my personality. I just, it felt easier to not buck the trend, to not, you know, rock any boats, To not have to really advocate for myself because to be honest that terrified me to have to really stand and be confident and say this is what I want. It felt easier just to go well you know what even though that's what I want it's just easier to do something else. And so that really gave me some food for thought because I thought you know what if you're willing to do that for me I'm not even willing to do it for myself. What is that saying about me and my confidence and my you know empowerment my advocacy for myself and what I want and if I can't say what I want in birth well that's really not a great a great thing so that really got me going and that really made me think what do I actually want and when I sat down with it I said you know what I do really want this I really want to give it a crack I I don't want to walk into a surgery like I said without 
a medical need or emergency and I'm young, fit, healthy, well, I do pregnancy well, I feel like I've got everything going for me. Why, why don't we give this a try and do it properly? So really commit to it, not just half-heartedly kind of do it, pretend like I'm doing it, pretend like I'm ticking all the boxes and doing it, but not really committing. Like I, I knew I needed to really lean in and do this well. And so that then got me motivated to find options. So again, try and be resourceful and actually work out how does this happen? How do women must do this all the time? I'm not the first person to have a VBAC too. So I was connected with a doula from this birth center. They recommended a doula who might be able to help me with some support and things like that. And that was fantastic because this doula was able to sit down with me and talk me through all my different options and it really gave me some clarity around, okay, you know, sit down, there's five options, what feels good for me? And so, like I had said before, I knew that I wanted to have a non-hospital vaginal birth. I just knew in my bones that if I was going to do this, I wanted it to be outside of the hospital environment and only go to the hospital if there was a medical need or emergency. That's just where my mind was at. Um, I didn't have to think through that. That was just a feeling deep within me that I knew that's what I wanted. And so my options were private midwife or a birth center. Like I'd said, the birth center couldn't take me on, so I need to find a private midwife. Now, I thought I would have <laughs> to be able to pick from, say, 10 midwives or so, but turns out private midwives are A, few and far between, and B, have to be very careful with who they take on um, as I came to realize they're, look, I'm trying to toe the line because I, I don't want to be controversial, but I felt like there's a different standard that they had to live up to. So for example, they couldn't just take on a VBAC too willy-nilly because uh, I guess their practice is kind of already looked at under a microscope depending on their situation. I know a lot of private midwives who get easily reported just because they're doing home births. Essentially, from my understanding, they're really not doing anything wrong, but they're, I guess, held to a very high standard because they're working outside of the hospital system, even though they may not be doing anything wrong or whatnot. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the birthing politics of that, but I came to realize it was really hard to get a private midwife. Fortunately, I found someone. She wasn't close by. She was two hours away, but she was willing to take on my care and I could have cried. <laughs> I felt so grateful that someone was able to take me on because she was my last option. I'd called a, a number of other ones, but they were too far away. And the whole VBAC2 thing, a lot of people weren't willing to take that on because um, of, like I said, the not because of the risk as such of doing it as a home birth, but just because of the risk to their registration. Even though it's not illegal, they just were nervous, I guess. Um, so, which I get, like, um, you know, they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. They need to honour their regulatory bodies, but they also want to honour a woman's autonomy and they're kind of stuck in between when women don't fit into the categories of what is deemed home birth worthy and okay, I guess. So I felt a bit like a rotten apple. I certainly felt like 
people didn't want to touch me. I had this giant neon sign flashing above my head that said, be back too. And at times I felt like maybe I should just lie. <laughs> maybe I should just say this is my first baby or that I've had two straightforward vaginal deliveries because I felt like all my barriers would be removed because once I told people I'd had two C-sections, it was just a very different conversation. Now, for those who aren't aware, the main concern is uterine rupture. Um, And also side note, I was extremely well researched on this topic. So I wasn't walking into a home birth willy nilly uninformed. I was very educated. I was very researched. I had read all the articles and I felt extremely comfortable with the risk of uterine rupture. And so um, I encourage you to do your own research, that's for sure. Um, And I certainly had to do my own um, because I wasn't willing to go into a home birth, wasn't willing to go at this stage into any birth without knowing the full spectrum of risks and safety and all of that. So I'd done my research. Um, Like I said, for my first two births, I was nowhere near as well researched and educated on birth as I was in this third birth. And I felt very comfortable having a home birth with the the risks um, involved. So that's uh, a side note. Um, So I found a private midwife and I remember talking to her on the phone and between her and my doula, they were the first two people when I spoke to them on the phone that had said to me, well done on honoring your intuition. You obviously need to explore this and well done on really listening to yourself. And I could have cried because no one had ever spoken to me like that when it came to pregnancy or birth. I'd always just been told data and risks and, you know, measurements and these sorts of things, but no one had ever like lent in and told me that listening to me, listening to myself, listening to my intuition was important. And so I just felt really heard and really seen and I knew straight away that this was the path I wanted to go on with like practitioners who valued intuition and practitioner who's who valued what I felt and how you know my maternal instincts were and I, I thought that was really important to me and I felt really good about that and so the journey of having a private midwife was fantastic um there was a lot of paperwork that needed to be filled out because I was a VBAC too I don't necessarily know if you have to do that otherwise, but we were just wanting to make sure that we checked all boxes. We had everything recorded and documented just so that my midwives registration was never under scrutiny. Um, Because like I said, that's a real risk that private midwives face. Well, my, my one did anyway, and a few that I've connected with have had similar experiences. And I was fine, I was happy to do all the paperwork because I was just wrapped to have someone to look after me, which meant I could have the birth I wanted to have. But it wasn't that simple. (laughs) So I then needed to get a GP referral to see this private midwife. Now, I thought that that would just be, I don't really have a GP, so I just called like the local clinic. I thought it was as simple as saying, hey, I am this young, fit, healthy woman, very intelligent, very informed, have read about all the risks and I still really want this birth option. Um, Can I please have a referral? Um, It's not that simple. So um, my first call rejected that and said that they didn't feel comfortable giving me a referral essentially because if something happened it could come back to them from a legal point of view which blew my mind because I thought well what options does that give me then like I I am willing to say on you know documents or whatever that I understand the risks and I accept them 
and that if anything were to go wrong, I will not bring this back to you. It's not about you. It's about me having the birth I desire. And it really ticked me off. And I, I felt for the doctor in that, again, I feel like a lot of practitioners are stuck between a rock and a hard place because they want to honor a woman's choices and autonomy. But at the very end of the day, their registration is always going to trump that. And so, you know, if they feel any threat to their registration by giving me a referral, for example, then um, that puts them in a really awkward position. So I was pissed off and I was angry, but I also understood where they were coming from. So I guess my anger was more directed to the system rather than this specific doctor. I was annoyed at the system. I was annoyed that you had to jump through hoops to get the birth that you wanted um, and that you could be as informed as you want, but you had to, I felt like I had to prove it. I had to prove that I knew the stats and I was so well researched. Um, yet I was still denied, I guess, the care that I wanted, even though I'd found a practitioner that was willing to care for me too. It blew my mind. Again, this may not be news to anyone, but it was totally news to me. I never walked this journey before. So it was a lot of emotions on this journey. Long story short, I found a GP who gave me a referral, was much more open-minded and willing, which I was very happy about. And then I thought, fantastic, I can breathe now. I can, everything's set. I've got my midwife, I've got my referral. I don't need to worry now. Because I felt up to this point that I hadn't really connected with the baby and I hadn't really thought about the pregnancy and soaked it up because I'd just been so caught up in the politics and the logistics of trying to work out how I was going to birth this baby that I hadn't really stopped to enjoy the pregnancy yet. And it took up a lot of mental space for me to try and work out this process. So I thought I could breathe and go, ah, okay, you know, we're going to do this. And we also had agreed as part of um, this midwife taking on my care that we would birth at an Airbnb or some sort of accommodation, uh, which was closer to the hospital. So I'm not too far from the hospital. I'm about a half an hour drive, but um, we had agreed in the early days that part of her taking on my care is that I would birth not in the hospital, but close to the hospital, which meant getting, you know, an Airbnb or some sort of accommodation, which I thought, great, this is like a great middle ground. It's like a birth center, but you know, I'll, I'll find my own place. So as now I'm just trying to think of the timeline, there were so many twists and turns. Um, so I thought I could breathe and that was all settled. That's right. So then my midwife calls me one day and turns out she was reported to the regulatory bodies and that blew my mind. I said, why? What's, what have you done wrong? Like what's going on here? And she was reported essentially just for taking on my care, which, oh, just, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of it, nor do I know them, but that's the crux of it. And oh, again, that pissed me off. I was angry. I was upset. I, I couldn't understand why we had done nothing wrong. There was nothing you know, risky. We were doing everything by the books. We were checking all the boxes. We were doing it all. We were doing all the paperwork. Yet now she was having to like go through this reporting and it blew my mind and I couldn't understand it. And so that started to unravel my birth plans, unfortunately. So as we continued through the pregnancy, I could sense that my midwife was getting a little bit nervous um, because of this reporting. And obviously, again, stuck in you know, between a rock and a hard place. She didn't want to lose her practice for taking on my care, but 
She also wanted to honor everything that I wanted to do and that was really tricky. And in the end, as we were approaching the very end of my pregnancy, I started to really sit with where I was going to birth. And I started thinking, this halfway place, this is not making any sense to me anymore. I think I agreed to it at the start just because I was so grateful to have someone say, yes, I will take you on and I will look after you. But, you know, how do I I even plan this? You know, how do I, when do I go to this place? How do I book it? Do I book it for a month? Who who knows when I'm going to go into labor? Do I just pay thousands of dollars to have it sitting there vacant? Or do I go into labor and then call up a place last minute and, you know, hope that I can get somewhere? And it was just starting to really weigh on my mind. I thought, this isn't making any sense to me. And I really sat with whether I was making that decision for me or whether I was making that decision for my midwife and I guess the policies and guidelines that, you know, everybody else was going by to feel more comfortable being closer to the hospital. And when I really sat with it, I thought, you know what, I am not at all concerned about being in my home half an hour away from the hospital. I have no problem with that. I don't feel like this makes any sense anymore. I don't feel like I need to be five minutes from the hospital to feel safe and to feel comfortable. Um, I, I really want to be at home. And I sat with that for about a week and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, no, this, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it properly. And I had been on such a journey by this stage of personal transformation and growth and learning and leaning into what I really want and dropping my people pleaser attitude and really honoring myself, advocating for myself, being confident, saying things that might make other people feel awkward or uncomfortable, but are true for me. I'd been so far on that journey that I knew that I couldn't just throw my hands up for the end stage and make a decision to appease others and not myself. And I knew by this stage that I knew I wanted to birth at home. I didn't want to birth at this halfway point. I just thought, well, this doesn't make any sense to me. And so I knew that given my midwife was already a little bit nervous about the reporting, that this was going to be a fork in the road moment. And so I told her, and unfortunately that was the the beginning of the end of our working relationship. So she didn't feel comfortable taking on my care given that arrangement. Um, and so I was without a midwife. And that is not at all the journey I thought I would be on, uh, that's for sure. And it brought up so many feelings for me. It brought up, I felt abandoned. I felt, again, like the rotten apple because I had this V-back too. And I felt like no one wanted to touch me with a 10-foot pole because I was deemed high risk. And, you know, I had to lean into... Again, honoring myself first and foremost, because that's scary, because honoring yourself, if that means that everybody else drops away, it's really scary to sit in that. And again, this is not at all the journey I had thought I would be on or really wanted to be on by this stage either. So it took a while to process that. I always had my doula there, by the way, so that was fine. And my husband and my doula were like the most supportive people in the entire world. So I was so fortunate to have that. But it took a lot of trust in myself and my baby and feeling comfortable with this being our decision in the end. Um, And to be honest, it, it actually probably didn't really feel like a decision. It didn't feel, I never wanted that hospital birth like I mentioned before. 
and I knew I wanted to birth at home. I knew I had an ambulance station close by if I needed to call on medical support. I knew I had the hospital 30 minutes away and truly I was actually not worried about needing that medical backup and support. So again, that was just like this deep knowing within me that I felt really comfortable with that. That didn't cross my mind. I wasn't worried. It was more than just the logistics of trying to work it out because I was having to do this journey solo in a way now. So um, again, never did I ever imagine that would be my story. Um, And I'm sure there's going to be many people who think that's crazy. (laughs) And you know what? If someone told me this story a year ago, I probably would have sat on the other end and said, you are crazy. You have lost your marbles. Why are you doing that? Um, And I know I had friends and family around me who felt nervous. uh, But fortunately for me, I had the most incredible support. So even those who felt nervous on behalf of us showed us really unwavering support and made me feel strong when I didn't and really held me when I was nervous or had concerns or worries or any sort of feelings. Um, But fortunately, for the most part, I felt really good about it because for the first time I was really honoring me and choosing what I wanted. And that felt really, really good and really, really, uh, what's the word? Comforting. It just felt really right to me. And I spoke to my baby a lot and I had so much trust with my baby. And this is going to sound so woo-woo to some, but it just felt right. It felt so right. So I thought (laughs) that I could finally chill out. I was like, right, cool. I know what's happening now. I know how I'm going to birth this baby. I'm going to birth it at home with my doula, with my husband. And great, fantastic. And I felt really comfortable with that decision. Everything was healthy and well, tracking well. I was healthy and well. Bob's was, everything was good. So I had no concerns. I wasn't a high risk pregnancy in that regard. I had everything going really well for me. And then I got to 38 weeks and I really injured my foot. <laughs> so when I finally thought I could just cruise through to pregnant, uh, to birth, I did a big injury on my foot. I was trying to, I was so silly. I was at the skate park trying to wipe my son's nose. As all kids do, he kind of ran away from me and I just awkwardly tripped all of my body weight onto a twisted foot it was so strange and I couldn't wait there it was really sore and to be honest to this day it's actually still bothering me but all of a sudden here I am birthing at home 38 weeks pregnant and I can't walk and I'm not going to pretend like that did not trip me out I cried and I cried and I cried because I thought I have only got active birth water TENS machine, these options to rely on. And if I can't do active birthing because I can't walk, what does that mean for my birth? What if I can't get in the birth pool? What if I can't use these tools that are available to me? What does this mean for my birth? And I had a few days of just releasing all of those emotions. I was really um, a bit thrown by this. Um, But then I, again, had to lean into trust. Trust was my whole word for this year. Um, And to be honest, it was even before I went on this pregnancy journey. And it was just uncanny that all of this journey required me to keep trusting myself, my body, the universe, whatever you want to call it. And I just kept reminding myself, Laura, your body will not go into labor unless it knows you can handle it. So I had to keep reminding myself, and I truly believe that your body will not go into labor unless you can handle it. So if it goes into labor tomorrow and you can't walk, 
it's because you can handle it. And if you don't go into labor for four weeks and your foot fully heals, it's because that's when you're ready to labor. So I had to keep reminding myself over and over and over again, this has happened for a reason. And I think that reason was I probably wasn't resting well enough yet. And that put me flat on my back in bed for three or four days straight. I had to rely on my husband to look after the kids. And it was sort of the start of that wind down to maternity leave for me. And I think otherwise it would have been energizer bunny, go, 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 go. So I truly believe that that foot injury really probably happened because it had to remind me, it had to put me flat on my back to remind me I needed to slow down to be able to welcome this baby in. So that was, I think from memory, it's starting to get hazy, the final sort of piece to my puzzle on that pregnancy journey. And I had told myself I would probably go to 42 weeks and have a 48 hour labor. That was what I was walking into the late stages of pregnancy with. Um, I didn't feel any pressure because there was no talks of induction, obviously not being in the hospital system. So I felt really, really comfortable walking into the end of pregnancy because I didn't feel like I needed to go into labor at a certain time or that labor needed to look a certain way for me to be able to achieve my VBAC. I knew that it could happen on my own terms in its own time. So that was really refreshing because I've been in the situation before where I'm timed out and there's a lot of pressure for me to go into labor. And I do believe I'm probably a longer gestator than some. And um, that worked out well because it turns out that I pretty much manifested that exact thing, 42 weeks and 48 hour labor. So I will get into my birth story in a little bit, but I just wanted to give that backstory to how I landed at a home birth um, because I I don't think my birth story makes sense otherwise, given most people know I've had a, two C-sections. Um, and I just wanted people to understand, and not everyone's going to understand. Um, I don't expect you to until you've walked in my shoes. You know, you're not going to be able to completely understand the decisions I had to make. But at the end of the day, they were the decisions that I felt most comfortable with. And Having had all the information laid out for me, I felt so well informed. I had met with obstetricians. I had met with you know, doctors numerous times. That was also part of my plan with my midwife is we sat down, we spoke with the hospital doctors about wanting to home birth and um, we went through all the data. We went through all the risks. We went through the pros and cons of it all. And I just felt so informed, which was fantastic this time. I felt really empowered. I felt supported. And I trusted. And again, it may not make sense to people, uh, but that's okay. That's my story. And again, you can't understand until you've walked in those shoes. If you had told Laura a year ago, hey, Laura, who's had two C-sections, guess what you're going to do next pregnancy? You are going to have a home birth. I I would have laughed and said, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. I'm having a maternal assisted cesarean section. I could never have predicted this is how it would turn out. And <laughs> a friend actually reminded me, I recorded my birth stories on Australian birth stories um, after having my second. And apparently Sophie made a joke about, oh, maybe next time you'd have a home birth. I think we were talking about how I was so far from the hospital. And apparently I laughed and said, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so oh, that's the beauty of life really, isn't it? You just, you can't predict how it's going to turn out. And things, I believe this pregnancy and birth is exactly how it needed to be, but I could never have predicted that this is how it would turn out. And that's the beauty of it. And not holding on to things too rigidly of how you think things should look and being open to listening to yourself and trusting your intuition and it was beautiful and I've learned so much about myself as a person, as a woman, as a mother, 
And I'm sure I've forgotten a million details that happened along this pregnancy journey. I feel like there's probably so many other things that happened that shaped my decisions and where I ended up with this birth. But um, at the end of the day, it was exactly as it needed to turn out and it was beautiful and amazing. And I feel like a different woman coming through the other side. And it was hard at times and really challenging and uncomfortable and I had to, you know, have conversations with people that made me feel really queasy and I had to stand up for myself and advocate for myself and be confident and my voice would quiver and it would shake and I didn't like having those conversations. I wanted to hide. I wanted to take the easy option. Um, None of that was easy, but it was rewarding and it was worth it and it was exactly what I think I needed to go through as a person and as a mother. So... I hope that all makes sense and let's get into the juicy birth stuff because really that's what we all want to know. All the birth junkies out there, they want to know exactly when labor started, how this baby came out. So let's get into the fun, exciting birth stuff now. Hey mamas, Laura here. Now, I really hope you enjoyed listening to the highs and the lows of my third pregnancy journey. So like I said in the episode, it was certainly not a journey that I expected to go on, but I truly believe it was the exact journey I needed to go on. So if you enjoyed this episode or resonated with anything I shared, I would love to hear from you over on my socials at PhysioLaura. I'm always open to a chat, so feel free to ask me any questions that you might have after listening to this story. Now, in the next few episodes in my pregnancy and birth series, I will be sharing the nitty gritty details of my birth, what exercises I'm doing to recover after birth, how I'm feeling emotionally after birth, my practical tips and tricks to help manage the day-to-day juggles with a family of three kids and so much more. So if you haven't already, just subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so that you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes in this series. And if you love today's episode and you want to binge listen to all the future episodes in this series, this entire series is now live inside my online program, The Pregnancy Posse. So inside the Pregnancy Posse, you'll also find weekly guided pregnancy workouts and extensive resources library on birth preparation, pelvic floor exercises, and managing pregnancy, pains, and injuries, plus a wonderful community forum and weekly Q&A sessions with me. I would love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth, and postnatal experience. So just visit thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about. I will catch you soon for episode two in this seven-part pregnancy and birth series where I'll be sharing the first half of my very long birth story. But until then, mamas, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy. Pregnancy.